Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey there, Post Institute. This is Christy Sully, co-founder, coming at you live uh, for the best little parenting show on the internet. I hope everybody is doing well this evening. I want to start by plugging these two books real quick. Brian's book, The Great Behavior Breakdown, that you can find on uh, Amazon as well as at postinstitute.com. And I encourage you guys, if you're not already part of our email list, visit our website, www.postinstitute.com. Sign up for our email list. We send out incredible educational emails, um, usually about one every other week. Um, David sends out, I think, about two a month, and they're always just packed with beautiful little nuggets, and he's just an incredible writer. We're so fortunate to have him as a friend. Um, he's been a partner of the Post Institute, and now he just contributes, continues to contribute, and he's actually working on a book of his own, which is pretty awesome. I also want to plug this book right here, From Fear to Love, which now has the incredible workbook available. Um, the workbook is available on Amazon, through print on demand. And hello, April. I'm so glad you said hello. And I see a lot of other people watching. But I always love it when folks speak up, wave a hand, especially when we're first getting started. Anyway, um, we have this available print on demand on Amazon, the Fear to Love Workbook. This is really incredible. I strongly suggest you guys check it out. Um, it is just packed with little nuggets of information, little um exercises to help you dig deeper into your own blueprints, your own parenting paradigm, and also to help you understand, have a deeper understanding of your children, what their experiences have been, what's going on with them at the brain level, and what we can do as parents to help our children grow and heal. And hi, Carrie, it's great to see you too. Um, so my topic tonight, um, you know, we're in the new year. Um, I really want to keep, because, you know, here's what happens most of the time. We create a New Year's resolution of some sort, and we get a few weeks. Oops, I just put my book on top of what I wanted to grab. We get a few weeks down the road, and if we've not been really intentional, then there won't be any real movement. It'll just be words. It'll just be lip service, and we'll just continue to, con to do the same things we've always done, because that's just how we are. Um, our parenting blueprints uh, predominantly come from how we were parented. And then outside of how we were parented is the dominant story of parenting. And then next to that, I would say, would be your circle of friends. And that could include the people that you follow on Facebook. So I'm really glad you're here because parenting is what we talk about. Hey, Antonio, it's great to see you and Happy New Year to you too. Um so what we've been talking about is creating goals for the new year that are related to your parenting and your parent-child relationships, your family relationships, and things that you can do to um, create healing in your family. So we have these free handouts on our website that I've been talking about. I'm going to show them again. Um, you can find them at postinstitute.com under, I think it's called printables and handouts, free printables and handouts. Um, if you sort by price, they're free, and so it'll be one of the first things that pop up. And I'll also include a link uh, on our Facebook page to make sure it's really easy for you guys to get these handouts. So what these handouts are are ways 
for you to, one, learn. And right now I'm learning that our dog Beatrice is very excited about something because she is really bark, bark, barking in the background, isn't she? She's funny because she is a great big, huge dog, but she has the most stranger danger of any dog I've ever met. She has a very sensitive amygdala. I see that absolutely when it comes to being around people that she doesn't know. She's the best alarm clock. Ah, there she got quiet. Uh, so in our handouts, we have Brian's trauma-informed checklist. This is incredible. Just reading through this alone, if you started your day every day reading this and then maybe at some point in the day, take a little break, read through it again, this alone, this one sheet alone can help you get your mind sort of in that place of understanding that your children have some unique needs. Um, sometimes I even think of them as, um, you know, sometimes I use the term hidden disabilities because there may be fragments in the way their emotional regulatory system is structured or there may be fragments in their, um, in their foundational development. When we think about, um, you know, I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and we have the basic foundation, two foundational elements that are the biggest piece of the whole pyramid and that is food, clothing, and shelter. So our absolute most basic needs and right up from that is safety and security. And out of that comes things like relationship and being able to be productive. But when we have fragments and we have challenges around that base part of the pyramid, we really have to, to work to help our children experience that these basic foundational elements are truly securely met. Because if in their early life experiences, their pre-birth and early life experiences, they were fragments in that area of life, then that has affected them at the brainstem. You know, we know that if we have a, a friend who says, I am a war veteran, I have post-traumatic stress out of being in the war and experiencing combat, we have a different understanding of that person. We, we're going to be mindful about things that we may invite them to or include them in. Not that we're going to exclude them, but we may want to have, we're going to have a different heart posture because we understand that that trauma has had a long lasting impact on them. And yet somehow we forget that with our children. It's like we've, they're no longer in the traumatic situation and now they need to go to school. They need to clean their room. They need to follow the rules in our house because now they're in our house. And it's like we completely forget that they have experienced massive amounts of trauma. And so I want to, um, I'm going to pull Brian's book out really quick because one of the things in my, one of the things that I was thinking about when I wrote about my topic is that we have to really explore the posture of our heart and really expand our understanding of how trauma impacts our, ch our children. And one of the things that I really found myself thinking about was just this one little piece. It's just one tiny little piece, but it's such a big deal. And that is the piece of grief. And so it brought me to, I mean, this, this book is just so sweet. And Brian jumps right into it in chapter three. And this is, an, we are not, we're not going to beat around the bush. We don't have time. We got to get to the point, right? And so in chapter three, the title of chapter three is Don't Underestimate the Role of Trauma. 
we get into this place where we think our kids are just being defiant for no particular reason or just to get on our nerves or that they have no interest in being in relationship with us. But that's, that's really very far from the truth. We really have to understand how difficult and complex all of this is. <coughs> we, we live in this world, and this is what I say, that our biology and our morality, they don't line up with one another. Because our biology is about you know, like procreation. Our biology doesn't say that you know you get married and that both parents stay together forever and ever, and they raise their children as a family unit. That's morality. That's not biology. Morality says people who have babies keep their babies forever and ever and take care of them. And if you don't keep your baby, then that has some sort of a stigma that's still assigned even to this day. Even to this day, you would think that that would have gone away, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. But here we are still in 2021 and there's still like this stigma do we, are we not grown-ups yet? Have we not figured out that people get pregnant and sometimes they're not in a position to be able to care for their child for whatever reason? And then our children come into foster care or adoption and there's already this feeling of questioning our value, questioning our worth. Things get said like, your mom didn't want you and it's always on the mom. It's like, it always ends up in the mom's lap, right? We so underserve and underexpect in the world of fatherhood, especially in this arena. When we look at like Adoption Awareness Month and things like that, how often are we speaking to the, the family of origin and speaking to the fathers? Man, it's a big deal, isn't it? It's complex. And the complexities of it all in my heart of hearts feel like they end up these, like these great big huge question marks for our children. Our children walk around with these great big huge question marks and we flounder at just connecting with them around it. That we may not have the answer, but it's okay to have the question. And so how easy is it to talk about hard things? In your blueprints growing up, was it okay to talk about hard things? Was it okay to have great big hard feelings? Was it okay to express those feelings? Or were you told to go away with your upset emotion? Were you told to fix your face? Were you told nobody wants to hear that mess? Were you sent away to your room with your upset feelings? Were you, was corporal punishment involved? if you were tearful about a disappointment. Because if that's the case, then that may make it really difficult for you to connect at the heart with your adopted child. That's why it's so important to focus on the posture of our heart and for us as parents to shine the light into our subconscious because our parenting blueprints come from somewhere. And we have to dig them out and we have to examine them and we have to get comfortable with things that may be uncomfortable. I wanted to pull chapter three out again. I've talked about this before and I know Brian's talked about this, but um, I think it was last week in our Facebook Live, I talked about unexpressed grief. 
unprocessed grief. And in chapter three, Brian talks about the fact that grief may be a very big, very big experience for your adopted child. Many adoptive parents discount the birth process and the impact on the adopted child. This is a mistake. Often the birth process is, a trauma is traumatic simply because the child has been separated from his or her biological mother. Don't forget that this baby has heard his mother's heartbeat, heard her voice, and smelled her scent for nine consecutive months. And it's not nine months like you and I live. It's nine months where that is everything, where the, the tummy life, where the womb of the mother is every single thing that this child experiences. So just the separation, just the, just the separation at birth can be traumatic. Suddenly everything familiar is gone and we will never, and they will never be there again. When an adopted child is taken away from his or her biological mother, a grief reaction is created and within the baby's mind-body system, the physiology is disrupted in many ways. Chapter three of the book, From Fear to Love. I'm telling you, if you don't have this book, you need to get this book. It will help you understand things that, and, it, and go back and reread it. You know, the chapters are so short and so simple. Go back and reread it. <laughs> so here's, the, here's just a beginning, just at the starting point, right? At the starting point of the relationship, we have a very complex issue because here we have a baby who is grieving who doesn't have language and doesn't have the complex conscious thought processes that we adults do. And so that, that grief gets stored in, a, in, in the cells. It gets stored at a body level. And then here the parents are happy and excited. So we're already starting off the entire relationship in a place that's so complex. It's just complex, and I'm not here to say anybody's wrong. It's not about that. We have to put down these ideas of blame and these ideas about right and wrong and just know that this is a complex relationship. It's what we're doing is complex, and it's been around since the beginning of time. So for us just to open our hearts to the complexity of it, and for us to focus on the reality that our children have some very unique needs. And that we have to really embrace that. I just want you to pause and embrace the complexity of it all. And pause and imagine and understand that your child is doing something that's, that's vastly complex and vastly challenging. My mom is an adoptee. Um, she is getting ready to celebrate her 77th birthday. And I remember growing up, her telling me she was adopted and her telling me what that meant. But I didn't really know what that meant. Like, I didn't understand the complexity of it. But I remember when I got older, um, her telling me, and at this point she was in her um, 30s and 40s, and she said, I just, I just never felt like I fit in there. I just never felt like I fit in with the family that I was raised in. 
And that doesn't mean that they were not a good family, that they weren't good people. I mean, they they definitely had their challenges as well. Um, but I think that speaks to a, a, a heart, a heart level issue of the intense connection that biology creates that isn't present when adoption is is the creation of the family. That doesn't mean that adoption is a bad thing. I just think that we have to embrace the challenge and the complexity of it. That we can't just pretend like it's nothing. And at the same time, we don't want to make it everything. That we really do have to listen with our heart. And in many ways, we really need to follow the lead of our children. <sighs> They're just children. They didn't ask to be born. They didn't ask for the situation that they're in. And they're doing the best that they can. And when we work on the posture of our heart and we dig into understanding deeper the complexities of what it is we're asking them to do, when we begin to understand how trauma affects the brain, how a sensitive amygdala can create difficult, challenging behaviors, and that our children really are doing the best that they can considering all that they've experienced. From that place, we can begin to parent them in the way that they need to be parented. So I'm going to get off my soapbox for tonight. Um, I hope that you guys take time to enjoy those babies every single day, every single day. Put down things that you're worried about, things that you're stressed about, things you've been fussing at them about. Set them all aside. Take a deep breath. Give yourself a little time in. Get a little time in with your spouse or your husband so that you can calm your own emotional regulatory system so you can build your oxytocin, right? Build the oxytocin at the brain level so you can calm your stress and go enjoy them. Love them. Play with them. Engage with them. Watch a little TV. Snuggle up. Read a book. Tickle some bellies, tickle some toes, paint some toenails, whatever it is. Whatever way that your children enjoy the love that you have from them for them, give it to them. And love on them and let them see the love from your eyes. Let them feel it from their heart. You know they're sensitive, so let them be sensitive to the love that you have for them. And remember what Brian tells us in any given moment. We can act out of our same blueprints of stress and fear and overwhelm, or we can take one to two to three deep breaths. We can slow things down. We can slow our thinking down, slow our chaotic racing thoughts down, and we can choose love. Much love to you guys. I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Um, tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit about how envy and jealousy is death to our souls. That's my topic. I've already got it planned. I love y'all, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.